Amen. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are always with us. Father, we thank you this morning for those that we do remember. For those who have gone before us, Father, that have given the ultimate sacrifice that we might have freedom in life. Father, for the families that have lost them in the sorrow. We thank you, Father, for those by your grace who made it home. Continue to walk among us. We thank you, Father, for those that serve even today. We thank you for the freedom they provide for us. We ask your blessings in their life. Be with us now, Lord, this morning as we gather. Help us to hear your voice. Respond to your will and your direction for each of us as we seek your leadership. We ask these things now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I borrowed a title from Dr. Tony Evans. Your future, he said, can be greater than your past. It is an observation of one of the principles of Scripture. Because, you see, that truth has always existed, that your and my future can be greater than our past. We do not have to be held back by what we were guilty of or how we fell short yesterday. God has a way of taking our life when we're willing to yield it to Him and make a greater future than our past was. There's a couple of verses I want to share with you this morning. One found in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 30 and 31 of Hebrews chapter 11. It is the roll call of faith, if you will. It is those who have stood out as having confidence and faith in God. And as it comes through this role, it then comes to this verse found in verse 30 and 31 of the 11th chapter. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. I want you to think about that for a moment. I want to turn to another verse quickly found in the book of James, chapter 2. I want to read the 25th verse. In the same way was not even Rahab, the prostitute considered righteous, For what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and she sent them off in a different direction, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. I think it almost strange that in the midst of one of the greatest historical bodies of Scripture, historical stories of the success of Israel in the conquering of the promised land, that God tucks away this one woman and tells us her story. Now let me give you a little bit of backdrop. For 40 years, Israel has marched in the wilderness. They have survived. God has fed them with manna from heaven. The day has finally come. They are to cross over the Jordan into the promised land. 
Joshua, unlike Moses, doesn't send 12 spies. He sends two of like manner of him and Caleb, two men of faith. And he sends them into the land to spy out the land before they enter. They're about to do one of the great things in biblical history. God is going to have Joshua take. Now listen to this. They're going to take the Ark of the Covenant. And those who carry it upon the rods will step out into the Jordan River at flood stage. This is the instructions God has given him. And he says that when the soles of their feet touch the edge of the water, the waters will recede. Now you know what a river flood like is like and how far it can reach out and how dangerous it can be. And yet... In these chapters that are about to follow, they will do just that. And the Bible says 15 miles down, God pushed the waters back and built a wall of water. And Israel walked across dry ground like they did at the Red Sea 40 years earlier. Two and a half million people walked across the river thereabout. 650,000 of them were troops. Others were men, women, and were women and children. They were about to enter the great battle. The walls of Jericho lay before them. The outer wall, six feet. The inner wall, 12 feet thick. How do you break a wall like that anyway? How do you get past it? You know that part of the story. This is what lay ahead of them. This is what they faced. But what I want to do is take you back for a few minutes journey in the second chapter of the book of Joshua. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Joshua chapter 2 of our text. It says this, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and they stayed there. She was Rahab the harlot. Her sinful past was without question. The Bible is honest when it deals with her past. There is no question about it. She sold herself for money. That was her life. And that was her world. Everywhere you read about Rahab in Scripture, whether it's the first chapter of the book of Matthew, whether it's the the chapter found in the book of James, or whether it's Hebrews 11, it always identifies this reality about her life. This was her past. You would think after enough time of living and making a living this way, you would kind of quit dreaming about the future. With a reputation like this, most of us would give up about ever finding the right man and having a family and moving on. With a life like this, most of us would come to a conclusion that we would never be accepted by a holy God. And yet all of those observations would be totally untrue. As we read the story of Rahab. The beauty of this story is Rahab's future would be greater that her past. Her life would not simply be remembered for what it had been, but what it was about to become. 
And so in the midst of this story that involves approximately two and a half million Jewish people that are about to enter into the promised land, God had promised them all those years before. He tucks away this story of significance. And he teaches us a great lesson that our future can be greater than our past. We can move beyond yesterday. I heard the story about a, a gentleman that negotiated with a young lady. He, asked, he said, would, would you spend the night with me for a million dollars? She hesitated for a moment. She thought, well, I'll have to think about that. And almost in the second breath, he looked at her and he said, well, would you spend the night with me for five dollars? And she bowed up and she said, sir, what kind of woman do you think I am? He said, well, we've already determined that. We're just trying to negotiate the price. A lot of us would define what Rahab did as different from what we do. If a woman goes out to dinner with a man and then she turns around and pays him through physical satisfaction, hasn't she done the same thing, just with different terms? If someone sleeps with another that they're not married to just to feel secure or to get attention, have they not done the same thing just with different terms? And if a man tries to conquer a woman or women one after another so he will feel powerful and in control, is he not guilty of the same thing? Just different terms. But the thing about Rahab is her heart was ready for a change. She was ready to put her past behind her. She was ready to begin a new life and start a new chapter in her world. And that's the part that is significant. In this story, as it begins to unfold, listen to what happens. I want to read you some of the verses. But the question I want you to ask yourself first is why? Why did God send these two Hebrew spies to the house of Rahab? I don't think their wives, if they were married, would have been too tickled with this visit, would you? And yet, that's where they went. Number one, it was, if you will, a strategic choice. Rahab's house, her place of residence, was on the wall of the city. It was the ideal place to enter, to look out, to see the city that they were about to face in battle. Secondly, it was strategic in that Rahab's house was a place people were used to seeing uh, strangers enter. In, in some ways, it was a way to cover their entry. Unfortunately, that part wasn't successful. Secondly, it was a spiritual-led choice. God knew that Rahab was seeking him, and he was reaching down to her. It amazes me that in the midst of something so significant as the people of Israel about to take on the greatest force they had to conquer before they could ever make it to the promised land, that in the midst of this great story, he would tuck away this significant element about one 
one single person's life. And yet he did. God knew she was seeking him. Secondly, God knew they would need her protection. God knew what was about to take place and how she was going to become a part of the story. Third, God knew the world needed the new woman she was going to become. For she is written in your history and in my history. Watch as the drama unfolds. The spies have come. Let me read you a few of these verses. Verse 2, And the king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent his messenger to Rahab, Bring out the men who come to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two spies and hid them. And she said, yes, men came to me, but I did not know where they were come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know where they've went. Go after them quickly. You may catch them. What's the point? The spies come. Rahab knows the story. Somehow she receives warning. The king has discovered the fact that the spies have come to your house. Thinking quickly, she makes a decision. She takes them up on the roof and she covers them with the flax. Uh, the, the, the item the, the lambs like used to make paper out of, so to speak. Then she spins a tale for the soldiers. Well, they were here, but they've gone. If you hurry, you might catch them. I can imagine that was kind of hard and difficult to get out. Her faith was more than a feeling. Her faith was an action. She put feet to her faith and did what she felt she had to. With the immediate threat subsided by the fact she went up to the roof and uncovered the spies and professed her faith in their God. She accepted God's authority over her life and risked her life to save them. You see, that's the bottom line here. She realized the God of Israel was the God of heaven and earth, she's about to tell us. And in that reality, she took her stand with the God of heaven. With a prayer, a promise, and a plan, she chose, if you will, a new beginning for her life. What have we staked our life on? The world laughs at us. The world thinks us fools. We take part of our day and come sit and listen to something from the Bible. And yet you and I have, like her, invested our life in a Savior that we believe in, in the God of heaven and earth. She admits, first of all, her need for God's help. Listen to the verse that follow. Before, verse 8. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and she said to them, now here's the story. I know the Lord has given this land to you, that a great fear has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melted in fear because of you. 
We have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea. That took place 40 years ago, and they still know about it. What they don't know is in a couple of days, the Jordans fixed to do the same thing. She said, we, we knew what God did for you 40 years ago. Not only that, but we know how God gave you victory over the king of Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan before you crossed the river. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you, of the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below you hear her proclamation. She admits her need for God. She acknowledges her fear of God's judgment and she reveals her trust in God's justice. She looks at him and says, I'm going to save you and I ask for you to save me and my family, my mom and my dad and my brothers and my sisters and all of my family. Isn't that our effort? Isn't that our action when we trust Christ as our Savior that the Lord will guide us as we seek to bring all of those we love under our umbrella of knowing our Savior? That was her heart's desire. She entrusted her future to God's provision. Folks, if ever a person needed protection, she did. (laughs) She needed protection from the king. If he realized what she was doing, that was it. She was a goner. Life was over. She needed protection from an advancing army for 600,000 men are about to enter the city of Jericho when they attack it. She needed protection from the collapsing wall because that too is about to take place. With little more than a handshake and a promise, she stepped out on the ledge of faith. And what a ledge it was. She looked at those men and she said, I put my faith in your God and I put my faith in your hands. And she dared to imagine and claim the possibility as she risked her life to save them. She imagined her survival as she let them down the rope out the window when the city gates were closed. By faith, she told them how to escape. In the 15th verse of the of the second chapter, she makes this statement to him. Listen. So she let them down by a rope through the window. For the house she lived in is part of the city wall. And she said to them, here's what you do. You go into the mountains and you stay there for three days. In other words, what she's saying is they're going to run out looking for you. They're going to look for a couple of days. And when they don't find you, they're going to think you got away. And they're going to come back. And after they come back, then you slip out and go back to your people. By faith, she told them how to escape. And then they told her, here's what you do. Verses 17 through 19. They made an oath. They told her to tie or leave that scarlet rope she had hung in the window for them to get out to survive. They said, you leave the rope in the window. Because when you leave the rope in the window, when we come back and attack the city, this will identify where you're at. And when we see that rope, our people will protect you. But your responsibility is this. You're to get all of your family into your house. And you're to stay there. By faith, she stayed in the house that she had been told. 
She gathered her family together. She trusted herself and her family to God's hands. And as the army of Israel marched across the Jordan, and as they surrounded the city, she kept them there. Now, y'all remember the story. Now, this took seven days after they got there. They crossed that dry land. They got on the other side. They made a promised commitment to God through the process of circumcision. They waited till everyone was well because that was their covenant commitment to God. They began one day at a time to march around that city one time. They kept their mouths shut. They didn't say anything, just like God said. They quietly marched in cadence around the city. Did that have a purpose? I got a feeling it did. I got a feeling God knew exactly what he needed to do to break the walls of that city and let them be a part of it. For six days, the seventh day, you know the story. Those seven times around the city, they blew the trumpet and they shouted. And the Bible says, and the walls fell flat before them. That is most of the walls. Because we know one wall that did not fall. The wall where Rahab and her family resided. What must it have been like when the walls all around her began to collapse? Like a structure giving way to an earthquake, they remained in the house while the walls of the city city collapsed around them. I don't know about you, but if stuff starts falling, I'm getting out. You follow me? But they didn't leave because God told them their one place of safety and security was in that wall. And while the walls of the rest of that city began to crumble and crack and cave in, she remained there. Well, you and I remain faithful to God when the walls of life collapse around us. Or will we cut and run when hardship discourages us? Or tragedy threatens us? Or temptation lures us? Will we remain faithful? Rahab is in the hall of fame of faith because she stood by the Lord of heaven and she put her faith and her trust in Him in the midst of a difficult situation. When the battle was over, when every one ounce was killed and destroyed as a part of that battle, Joshua said to the two spies, go in and get Rahab and her family. Chapter 6. Chapter 6. I want to read verses 22 through 24. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young man who had Done the spying, went in and brought out Rahab, her father and her mother and her brothers and all who belonged to her. They brought her entire family and they put them in a place outside the camp of Israel, a place of safety. I like what verse 25 goes on to say, But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her family and all who belonged to her. Now listen to this. Because she hid the men of Joshua, had sent his spies to Jericho, And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Her family was spared. Why does 
God keep reminding us what Rahab had been. Every time she is defined or acknowledged or recognized in Scripture, poor girl can't get a break. It's Rahab the prostitute. Why? I'm convinced. Because he wants us to know we can, that God can turn the mess of a life into a miracle. Now listen to me. God can turn the mess of a life into a miracle. You may say, Brother Ken, I never had a mess of a life. Amen. Praise God. But I guarantee you and I got friends that do. I guarantee you and I have got loved ones that do. And we need to cling to the hope and the realization of what God can do should they choose to trust Him. To step out on the ledge of faith and put their hands in God. She was saved. She gave up her sinful past. Now let me tell you the rest of her history. She got married. She did. She married an Israelite. Her name was Salmon. Not only that, she had a son. His name was Boaz. Not only that, she had a great, great grandson. And his name was King David. Not only that, she had a great, 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 way down the line, grandson. And his name was Jesus. Wow. God took a mess made a miracle Jesus said you believe in God believe also in me trust him and let him write the next chapter of your life that's a goal the next chapter of our life we step out in faith when we come before men and pray to receive Christ when we go through baptism to acknowledge him to the world when we go to church to learn of Him, when we read our Bibles to better understand our responsibility to Him, and when we share our faith to introduce Him to others, we step out in faith. But the one thing I want you to remember more than anything else in all of this is God has said to us, our future can be greater than our past. That's up to us. Rahab recognized that this God was the God that created the heaven and the earth. And we cannot fault her for making the choice to trust in that God and find her salvation. I don't know where you're at in your journey and your pilgrimage as a believer this morning. But your presence here says you love the Lord. I hope and pray this will inspire us. Rahab's past was her past. May God guide us as we reach out to a world around us to help them realize what Jesus can do when a life is surrendered to Him. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your love. 
We thank you, Father, that you look down and you care about us. And Lord, as our hearts open to you, you reach down your hand to welcome us. God, you had a plan. And this heart that was open received it. Lord, I pray there may be those here today who have a decision they want to make. Lord, give them the courage to make the decision you have laid on their heart. But challenge each of us, Lord, this day to leave here with a confidence and conviction that we have put our faith in your hands. And there we are secure. In Jesus' name we pray.